Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. The first thing that I, I try to tell people is don't overthink it. Barbecue is intended to be a simple cooking technique, and everybody gets caught up on what temperature should I cook this to? It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Alan Gayton is a 51-year-old IT geek who has been playing with computers since he was a kid stealing software on a Commodore 64. He started his career as the first technology specialist for Gordon County Schools in Georgia, where he had the dubious honor of fixing the computers and switches that always broke down. He then became an instructional technology specialist where he had to deal with endless questions such as, what does click here mean? He is now the Director of Technology for the North Georgia RESA, uh, which stands for Regional Educational Service Agency, where he has the daunting task of managing the technology needs and issues of the RESA and its five-member school districts. When he is not glued to his screen or phone, Alan likes to pretend that he is a pit master and a martial arts expert. He competes in competition barbecue as one half of Team Qinator, which is a clever name that he came up with after watching too much Phineas and Ferb. He and his partner have won some trophies and ribbons in various categories, but they are are still far from being the best of the best. Yeah, I, they're very good, okay? I just got to tell you. Alan also practices karate, which he learned from watching Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. He has the black belt, which he bought online or maybe earned at UKS Karate, and he likes to show off his moves to anyone who will watch. Alan is always willing to help or teach someone something new as long as they don't ask too many questions or challenge his authority. He is a proud father of two children who are smarter and more talented than him and a loyal husband to his wife who puts up with his antics. He lives in Cal. Calhoun, Georgia, where he enjoys the fresh air and the peaceful surroundings. Good morning, Alan. Welcome to the show, and say hi to everybody. Good morning, everybody. Well, I'm glad you're here, and uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that's there's a little humbleness in there in that uh, in that bio, but I got to tell you that uh, um, you do an awesome job at what what you do, and what's really cool is you you go do all kinds of things. Uh, you know, th- this morning you came in to the Risa and you made bread, and so you not only fix computers and it, you know, one of the things I really like working with you is that uh, you don't say, you know, you'll do something like that when you're asked a question. Instead, you go, let me look at that. And uh, if you don't know how, then the next thing I know is you're online finding a solution. And uh, uh, good stuff. I love that. So, all right. So let's start with this. What got you focused on tech? I mean, you can take things apart, fix them, put them back together again. I've seen you. You're in there with a soldering iron, all kinds of things. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know those things came apart. Uh make just about any program work for yourself. Use online resources to troubleshoot and solve problems. Um, You definitely know what you're doing. What got you into this? So I have to go way back to the beginning when I was a little bitty boy. And uh, working with my dad, I would watch him 
fix things like that. And now he was more of the mechanical kind of person. So it was cars or or things he would uh, tinker with. I remember one time he had seen an advertisement for a stretching machine by Chuck Norris. And it was way more expensive than he could afford. So he built his own with pulleys and, and you know, uh, ratchets and all sorts of things. You know, built, put wood on it and, and it worked. And so I was inspired by that. And he enjoyed technology to a certain degree. He, he liked video games and, and things like that. So it kind of er, early on exposed me to, towards that as opposed to like sports that other kids were into and everything. But I also very early on, and we talked about this yesterday, that you asked me whether I was right-handed or left-handed. Well, I started off left-handed and several people in my lives pushed me towards right-handedness. The problem with that being I can't write. I am horrible at writing. So instead of writing, I gravitated towards computers because I couldn't keep up in, you know, up until the point that I, I started learning computers with assignments. It'd be, you know, slow, people be fussing, oh, you need to get this done. And I couldn't get it done. And I started finding the computers at school and, and whatnot. So as I reached middle school age, I started saving for that. Commodore 64 you mentioned, and I saved and saved and saved, and I had about half of the money put back for that Commodore 64, and my dad took it from me and put money with it, and I got a Commodore 64 for Christmas. Nice. The The bad thing was is that I had the computer, but there was no floppy disk with it, and that computer was practically useless unless you want to just type in programs without at least the data set thing that is the cassette player. Um, but you really wanted that 1541 floppy drive. And I look over and my sister opens the 1541 floppy drive. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what? And dad's like, well, I wanted you to have the computer, but she needs to be able to use it too. And the look on my sister's face was... I hate this. She did not want the drive. And and so it wound up coming into my room, and she never touched the computer. But but I felt kind of sorry for her that year because that was the biggest Christmas thing she got. For, you know. But I enjoyed it because now I had my computer, and I never looked back. I was able to do high school assignments and all that and actually be competitive in education at that point. So. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I got to... You know, one of the things that I got to make sure I say here is because I think we've talked about this. Did um, you you were a fan of Radio Shack, weren't you? Oh yeah, I worked at Radio Shack twice in my earlier life. That's what I thought. I did. I found myself. And by the way, we're not sponsored by Tandy nor Radio Shack nor what's <laughs> left of any of those companies. Um, but uh, I, it was funny. I found myself uh, this the other day um, saying to my wife because I was frustrated because I was looking for some patch cords type of thing for audio, and I I went. If only Radio Shack was still here. Yeah, a five-minute drive down the road, and you have whatever you need. Yes. And now you have to wait at least a day if you do prime shipping or whatever it happens to be. And the quality isn't always what it was there. Now, I have to say, as time went on, their quality of cables went down a little bit. <laughs> but um, there, I remember in the in the 80s, you couldn't, I mean, if it was Christmas time, 
of all the stores in the mall, you'd find me in front of that little Robotron working the arms and trying to make it pick up something. And that's where <laughs> I want to be. I'd write, I'd write programs because I was, you know, didn't have a computer yet. I'd be writing programs on the TRS-80 and the display and whatnot. So, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It, it, me, I was fascinated by the magnets. Right? Uh-huh. You'd, I'd go there and I could buy magnets. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> Check out all these magnets I could buy. Yes. Um, very strong magnets. <laughs> very strong magnets, yes, and very weak magnets. You can buy, buy a whole assortment of them. But, uh, you know, it's uh, cool stuff. So what keeps you inspired to keep working with tech? I mean, what makes you go, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this? I think for me it's always looking at what that potential could be. You know, I remember, as, as I mentioned a minute ago, early on in life that AI – um, possibility, you know, watching science fiction and, and things like that and going, you know, one of these days we're going to be able to do this. One of these days and, and seeing the predictions made and then living a life where I've been able to be part of these things as they've come true, like AI or, or something like that, which is certainly in its infancy. But what it can do now I can remember on the Commodore 64 having uh, a program uh, called Lisa, and you may remember that, that you could type prompts into it, and it would come back with rudimentary uh, things, and, oh, wow, it's talking back to me. And it really, I mean, it wasn't anything like chat GPT, but it was fascinating. Or I had Sam and Reciter, which was a voice um, talking program, and... You could uh, make it say things, and it it was a little better than the old Texas instrument speak and spell, Um, but it was, you could make it say what you wanted to, and now we've gotten to the point where you almost can't distinguish uh, what's being said by computers, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like in 10 years, but that's what I enjoy. I love seeing the ball get moved down the field and being a part of it. That's so cool. That's uh, and it's it's awesome because you're right. We really are moving down the field, and part of it, I'm a little worried that uh, we're in the you know this this close to Terminator land. But you know, <laughs> it's in Skynet and all that stuff. As you know, and, 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 as well as you know, um, for those of you who really don't know this reference, I mean, you know, um, Dave the astronaut and how the computer deciding whether Dave needs to exist longer or not. He's kind of tired of him. Yeah. Goodbye, Dave. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, it, uh, it's an interesting world. That's funny what you're talking about because I remember, you know, some of the com- um, demonstrations uh, um, sitting in uh, auditoriums as a kid and the NASA technologist is showing us this robot and the robot, uh, he had to tell it how to pronounce names. He'd call a kid up and say, tell me your name. And if he, like, if he put in my, or actually the kid's name, the, one of the kids I remember is Mark. And he said, he s- typed in Mark and the uh, the robot said, Merck, and then pronounced it funny. <laughs> and he said, that's because I have to tell it how to say that. And, mm-hmm. you know, interesting thing, because you're right now. I mean, there's, you know, anyone saw that. Uh, um, now it'll tell you you pronounce something incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And if anyone saw that movie Maverick, uh, that, that Top Gun movie with um, Val Kilmer was in it, he can't speak any longer. And they used AI to create his voice again. And, you know, and it's like he's he's bodily there, and they they – redid his voice and it's like that's just that's cool but at the same time a little scary <laughs> uh, but wild stuff so oh good stuff all right so do you have a christmas wish list that uh, has some tech tools that you'd really like to have that uh, you're asking for so it, it's 
one of those situations where a couple of months ago we had a lightning strike at our house and so i'm having to replace a lot of tech tools so i you know things that most people wouldn't put on their christmas li- <laughs> list like a switch you know now when i built my house i wired it with cat 5e network cable and and put in a, a switch and every the the guys from the electrical company that were you know the the contractor that were putting in this house they're like why why do you have isolated circuits in this room because i'm going to run a server you run a server in your house of course doesn't everyone you know (laughs) in my best sheldon voice you know it's (laughs) like um and so yes i i i'm having to replace some of these things because they all got struck by lightning and um the home owner's insurance uh, amount for our deductible was exactly the same amount that the whole stuff that we need to replace is. So it's like, yeah, we're going to have to wait a while. And uh, <laughs> so I've got a projector I need to replace and a Wi-Fi unit I need to replace and a Roku or two. And at least we got the TV replaced par- fairly quickly. But yeah, there's always a few tech things on my list. It's, you can never have enough portable hard drives or SSDs. It's, you know, one of those things, USB flash drives. It's so, so yeah. Very cool, very cool. So you made a reference there that I got to ask you. So do you have a special place on the couch that you sit that uh, that's your part of the couch? You know, you're talking about Sheldon. Whichever uh, part of the couch my wife isn't claiming at the moment. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> um, cool. So we're going to get out of that subject real quick. Um, it, all right. So are you a Google or Outlook person? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. There's a nice definite answer. That was like when I asked you about if you're left or right-handed. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. like- <laughs> yeah. So, um, I tend to lean towards Outlook personally, but I also have a Gmail account. Ah. I use both. Nice, nice. All right, all right. What about Mac or PC? Yes. <laughs> same, same. I tend to lean towards PC. Um, it's kind of how I came up, but I will use a Mac when needed. Gotcha. Very cool. So, uh, what about this? Do you like? Software better or hardware better? Yes. <laughs> so so there's a bigger explanation for me on this. Um, I am one of those people that I don't like putting myself or uh, working in education students in boxes and saying, this is the right answer and the only answer and you should always use this for everything you do. I'm more of a... Let's find the right tool for the job that we're doing. Now, as I said, I've got my personal preferences based on how I've worked in the past. Coming up in the IT world in the 90s, Microsoft was it. You know, that's what you did. It's it's like you run the network now. I'll tell you, I'm actually a little older than that. I'm Novell Netware first. Um, And so I learned Novell Netware and then had to learn Microsoft um, Active Directory and and all of that Windows Server. Um, But because of that, I tended to work in the Microsoft world, the Office world, all of that sort of thing. But, and at first, I was probably pretty... You know, this is the only right way to do things. But as time grew on, I I, kind of took a philosophy of, you know, I've got friends that are Mac people, and I watch them be creative on a Mac, and I say, you know, Macs have an advantage in that field, especially with a certain personality type that that, – 
doesn't need to get hung up on what all possible settings the operating system can have. It needs to be able to use the software as a device, as as um, like you use a toaster or something like that. And I think that design philosophy works well in certain areas and, and things like that. In other areas, I think a PC might be a better fit when it comes to like engineering or, or something like that. i got friends that are engineers, and they lean that direction because they want to be able to tweak every little setting that there <laughs> possibly is. Um, I've got friends that are like, uh, you should only use this platform ever. And I say, you're becoming a foot soldier for that company, which is great for that company, but it isn't always the best thing for um, the students, the the industry that they're, they're wanting to get into, stuff like that. So I try to, it's like you mentioned, you know, Google or Outlook. Well, there are times that um, I find the Google product, the one that I want to use for a certain application. Then other times, uh, I will I will lean towards Office. Now I'm tending to probably look first at Office because that's my native language. But if I can't find it there, um, or if someone says, "Hey, look at this," I'm going to go, "Yeah, that'll work," and, and go with it. Very nice, very nice. The uh, you know, it's uh, I just thought I'd ask those questions because it's kind of interesting to ask a t- an IT person oh, which one you like. Of course. Didn't expect to get yes, yes, <laughs> and yes answers. So cool. That means that you're just like you're left and right handed at the same time. That may be I why. Like that. that may be why. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. So good stuff. All right. So let's switch topics for a minute. Uh, you're a sci-fi fan. I know this. This is kind of a rigged question. Do you have a favorite show? Why, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this time there is a definite answer. I am a Babylon fan. Five fan first. Um, I love Star Wars. I love Star Trek. I, I like a lot of you know Stargate SG One. You, you you start going into various genres and stuff like that. I'm a fan of a lot of it, but Babylon Five is my all time favorite sci fi show, despite what Sheldon Cooper might say. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. I, and uh, you're you're convincing me because now you've had me. I've watched the first season and now I've started the second season and. Uh, yeah, I'm becoming a fan, so it's good stuff. I'd never maybe watched the first episode, and I know I read a book or two, and uh, but uh, good stuff. It's pretty cool. It's a kind of an interesting thought to be thinking about people that are stationed way out in just a floating. And I think what I like about it is it's less perfect than some other sci-fi shows. It it has its dirty underside, and and the people are more human, and and you know. I love Star Trek, but sometimes it can get, especially um, like Star Trek Next Generation, can get a little utopian in yes. uh, things. It's like, oh, we don't need money anymore. We're so perfect. And I understand what, what they're trying to do. Babylon 5 is more, hey, we've got people that still want to steal from people, and we still got, you know, uh, one of the things is, there are people out there with bad motives, even on the same side as the good guys, and you have to watch out for that kind of thing. And and it's more realistic, I think, in a portrayal of what the future could be. Very nice. I like that. And um, and you're converting me. I've enjoyed the first season and enjoying starting the second season now. So good stuff. I mean, you know, and you're talking to an. I'm really a fan of now. I wasn't around when it first came out, so before you go there, um, the uh, but uh, you know, original Star Trek is my thing, and I watched it in reruns when I first started watching it as a kid. 
but the uh, and I and I can't get enough of uh, the original characters and so forth and and uh, I love that show and I, and I and I'm still a big fan of Star Trek so don't misunderstand if you're listening out there and it's in me hate mail I love <laughs> Star Trek I love Star Wars I'm not one of those again it's kind of like the same thing with Mac and PC I love them for what they are and and I enjoy each one the way it's intended to be enjoyed. Very nice. And what's really cool is to be able to have conversations with somebody about these things, and they don't look at you like you got two heads. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. <laughs> yes, very much so, which we have conversations about. So we can talk about 42, and we can talk about Zaphod, and we can talk about, you know, Arthur Dent, and we can talk about Ford Prefect and all of them. So uh, and they can't leave out Trillion. So we got uh, good stuff, and... Uh, you know, and uh, even when other people are looking at you and you're discussing something about the 42 or something like this, or at least we understand. So. Yes. <laughs> they don't have a babble fish in their heads. So. No, not at all. Not at all. They're not able to <laughs> translate that information. So it's a whole nother. Yeah, we're good. All right. <laughs> I looked at my wife this morning and I said, you know, today is a load, quote, star, quote, comma, eight, comma, one day. And she looked at me like, what? And this is the same kind of translational thing. If you were a Commodore 64 fan, you know that meant just grab the first thing on the disc and put it in memory. Nice. And it's like, so it's a case sera, sera day. You know, whatever will be, will be. <laughs> but it's lost on her. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's, I like that. All right. So uh, before we, because I, I can take this podcast completely into that sci fi world, um, <laughs> let's shift to another one because uh, you have another venture that you like and are awesome at. And you compete in preparing barbecue. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you're not just a tech guy. You're on, I mean, and a sci fi and everything, all this stuff. You also cook, mm-hmm. and uh, which is really cool, by the way, because um, I've been here, you know, one of the things that happens once in a while is we have a kitchen in our, uh, in our building, and all of a sudden you see everybody going, that doesn't smell like a super frozen meal. Somebody's cooking. I wonder who that could be. You know, it's only one. So, um, good stuff. I mean, it, where did your um, thoughts about cooking come from? So, again, going back to my childhood days, I had a grandfather who um, would raise his own pigs, usually three, sometimes four, um, and he would feed them all summer long and come November it was hog killing time and he would have them butchered and then he would um, finish the process and he would part of what he would do is smoke barbecue and put it in the freezer and once I discovered that thing which he never told me about my grandmother happened to offer it to me once when I was about oh 14 years old and it's like ooh, what is this stuff this is you know, heaven on a bun kind of stuff. And um, I would come in and, Nana, can I have some barbecue? <laughs> and eventually he starts saying, you're eating all my barbecue. you got to <laughs> stop this. So I had to learn how to do it myself. Nice. Um, and barbecue then became kind of a passion. I'd go, one of the downsides is I could not find barbecue like what he made in the area that I lived, um, there were a few decent barbecue places, but he liked North Carolina-style um, vinegar sauces. And a lot of what was around North Georgia at the time was a thin, sweet, syrupy stuff that was fine, but it wasn't that sharp, strong vinegar pepper stuff that, that he liked. So I had to learn to make it. Um, and then I found that 
it's not only good to eat, but it was a good relaxing way to get away from all the technology when I'd come home on a weekend, be like, huh, you know, this is some fire, you know, it's like, I get to play with fire and, and <laughs> make coals and, and shovel them over under meat and, and watch it burn and, and, you know, smoke things and they come out tasting good. And I enjoyed that. Well, long about um, 2012, they decided to have a barbecue competition in my town in Calhoun. Nice. And a buddy of mine was getting pretty good at making ribs, and I was decent at doing pork butts. And we said, why don't we just enter this thing? Well, we didn't win it, but we did okay. We got a couple of calls, and that was it. We're we're all in. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, all right. So, what do you like to cook the most? What's What's that... That answer changes over time. It's like pork butts was the first thing that I really learned. And then I kind of shifted to ribs and, and got decent at those. I had to learn from Michael, my friend. Um, but then as we, we went from being what's called backyard competitors to the pro side of KCBS. And when you make that shift, you have to learn to cook brisket. Because uh. if you can't cook ribs, pork, chicken, and brisket, you can't win the grand championship. And at first, I struggled. Brisket was this thing, this mountain that I had to climb. And eventually, it started opening up. I talked to the right people, went to the right schools, you know, because you can take classes for this. And all of a sudden, I started doing better in brisket than I was doing in pork. And my wife decided that brisket was her favorite thing. So now it's like, okay, that sourdough bread that you're talking about that, that I bring in sometimes yes. and um, uh, I'll have leftover competition brisket and we'll slice it, throw it on that toasted bread with some provolone and a little horseradish sauce. And man, it's heaven on a bun. Nice, nice, nice. You're making me hungry, man. We're, <laughs> and we're recording at 9 a.m. in the morning. So, you know, this is a, ooh, yum. I, my stomach's thinking barbecue today. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, yeah, this is cool. I mean, you have a unique name for your team, and uh -huh. uh, care to share the name and the story of where that came from? I mean, I know I talked a little bit about it in the bio. Yeah, but it was a little so there. we were struggling to come up with a name, and every team's got to have a cute name, you know. And so you can find a lot of them can be somewhat suggestive, and we didn't want one of those because I had young children, stuff like that. I didn't want people to be like, "Uh, what is that name supposed to mean?" And and a lot of them were variations on the same theme, like smoke this or or you know whatever and we're like hey we our kids are watching that show um called phineas and ferb and there's this dude on there heinz doofenshmirtz i can't really do the name very or the the voice very well but um everything was a q and you know and so so we said well how about q and you know so nice. it's like his you know innators and and so we did that and at first uh we had a logo that was created that looked kind of like a, a ticking bomb or something like that but eventually my daughter created one that's more in the style of um the characters from that that tv show and one of the things i always liked about that show was that whoever created it, the writers for it, must have been 
like me. They they make sci-fi references all the time. It's kind of adult humor, but not not in a risque way. But but there are in jokes that adults watching it are like, oh yeah, they did a whole Star Wars episode that's just fantastic. There's one scene where um, there's stuff written on the screen, and um, it's in Arabesh, which is the the Star Wars language. Right. And if you translate it, it just says, "Why are you bothering with this?" or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's like, "Yes, I love this." These people really get my sense of humor. So, so it was a perfect match for me and my teammate. That's cool, and it's it very much so is. And uh, you know, as being a fan of that show as well, one of my favorite all time favorite things is that um, all the trouble that the Phineas and Ferb get into or, or start to get into, and the sister walks in and. What are you two up to? Huh? Uh-huh. Who? You know, uh-huh. it's like, who us? You know, it's like, we're not and, doing anything wrong. And it's just, she walks back out and then they're back building a skyscraper or something uh-huh. and she comes back in, it's all gone. You know, uh-huh. it's, and I uh, love that stuff. And then, of course, you know, Perry the platypus to save the day. So, yeah, I've only watched it a few and times. And I think that was my relationship with my sister. So I understood those character dynamics. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Uh, I love it. So, cool name. Good stuff. I love that. Uh, yeah. All right. So, you know, let's talk about this. You know, people listening might be thinking, all right, so maybe Alan might share a secret or two with us about how to at least cook on a grill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can you share something with us? Uh, the first thing that I, I try to tell people is don't overthink it. Barbecue is intended to be a simple cooking technique, and everybody gets caught up on what temperature should I cook this to. It's done when it's done. Um, so you, you don't want to try to cook. It's like, there's a whole Facebook group. 203 is the magic number. No, it's not. 203 is a number on a, on a dial and it may be done at 203. It might take 207 or whatever. The, the real trick is buying good quality meat and cooking it till it's done. The sauces and rubs that you want to use are your preference. And, and, you know, I like the vinegar, but I also like a Kansas City sweet or, or something like that. Um, at first, I thought, you know, well, I can just go to the grocery store and buy the cheapest cut of meat and cook it to the right temperature, and it will be great. No. <laughs> um, if you go buy the cheapest brisket, you're going to get a shoe leather brisket. Um, I had to cook for a friend uh, this past weekend, and I told him, I said, yeah, I could go to the local grocery store and buy a select brisket. It might be called choice, but it's probably really select when you look at it. Um, what what I did instead was go down to Restaurant Depot and buy one of their Angus briskets. It's a little bit more expensive maybe than the local grocery store, but it's not a Wagyu brisket, which is the $250 brisket <laughs> that you can buy that I use for competition, but it would be decent. The way to tell that it's a good brisket is it's got um, – streaks of fat in the meat and you look for that it's floppy it's not stiff and and whatnot well if i buy a good piece of meat and cook it till it's done then it's going to be good well how do i know when it's done um the the things that most pit pit masters will tell you is if you stick um a toothpick or a meat probe or something like in it into it when it's done correctly it'll go in like a toothpick in soft butter Wow. So if there's resistance, it's probably not done yet. Now, if it's a cheap brisket, it may never get there. <laughs> but if you get a good quality brisket and you poke that thing in there, eventually it's going to slide in without much resistance at all, and you're going to go, eh, that's about right. Now, 
at the same time, this is something I've just recently learned. Um, as long as there's moisture on the top, it's still cooking. But if it ever reaches the point where all that moisture on top disappears um, and you're not still to that pro, that you're done. Pull that thing because it ain't getting any better. And usually I'll find that if you want to know a temperature, somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 195 to 212 with the real range being somewhere around 205 to 211. Um, usually most briskets get done there. Pork butts. Cook it till it falls apart. Really, is nice. is you know if for for most people that's good. Now competition, I'm going to be a little bit more careful, but it's going to be good regardless. It's just you know cook what you like, and there's a there's a TikTok guy named Stale Cracker um, that does Cajun food, and it's like you do what you like, you know, <laughs> and that's really barbecue. Do what you like, and and you know practice it. You know, even the failures are going to taste okay. So just keep working at it and working at it, and eventually you'll figure it out. Very nice. I like that. I like that. I, all right. So uh, when I was in my twenties, somewhere in there, I learned a very valuable lesson, which is I like barbecue, right? But I didn't realize there's so many different types of barbecue, and and comparing barbecue to like one of my favorite restaurants um, to go to was not a wise choice with the person I was talking with. And uh, so, you know, if you live in the South, you cannot get away from someone asking you about different styles of barbecue, like Carolina. You mentioned Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, There's Memphis. There's Texas. I mean, the person I offended was in Texas. Um, (laughs) Kansas or maybe Georgia. I mean, any thoughts about this? Because I I learned don't compare it to uh, some of the popular food chain restaurants because uh, all of a sudden you're going to be there for a while (laughs) yes yes um i've even made the mistake of um taking what i said was a north carolina barbecue sauce to a get together and the guy be from the different region of north carolina because there's essentially two and a half regions in north carolina there's the folks that it's vinegar only then there's the folks that it's got tomato in it then there's some that put a little sweet in there too and and you know and then there's south carolina mustard based and you got kansas city sweet memphis dry alabama white sauce kentucky black sauce texas has just texas barbecue it's just texas you know it's whatever (laughs) big and bold beef you know whatever so yeah there's there's all of these different uh styles of of sauces and rubs and people often you mentioned georgia people often overlook georgia because it is kind of a it was very early in the barbecue scene if you look at history but it kind of has a, a blend somewhat of some of the other styles. Now, it's unique to itself, and North Georgia is different somewhat than South Georgia or whatnot. Um, but it has a rich history in barbecue. It's just hard to define it because the fact that it was influenced by the Carolinas and, and uh, other influences as well. So it doesn't fall perfectly into any of those other categories. But what you'll find is some of the best barbecue in the world is in Georgia. Now, my thing is, if it's good, it's good. It doesn't matter if it's a vinegar-based sauce or if it's a sweet sauce. The The downside that I run into for me is that um, competition barbecue has been heavily influenced by the Kansas City influence and stuff like that. So it tends to be really, really sweet and, I mean, and it's gotten even more sweet as time has gone on to the point where 
you don't enter a vinegar-based barbecue <laughs> sauce unless you just want to walk laugh. You, know, you, you want the last place to, you know, oh, there's 50 teams, you're 51st because you put vinegar sauce in. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. But but in my in my daily life, you know, there was a restaurant in Somerville, Georgia that was kind of out of place because it had a more vinegar-based sauce. And after it shut down, I managed to get the recipe uh, for that sauce. And if I'm showing up somewhere and I want to impress people, I'll have a sweet sauce. Uh, I may even bring a competition sauce. You can get a, a, a sauce called Blues Hog in Walmart now that a lot of competition people use. Uh, they might mess with it a little bit in competition, but it's <laughs> it's going to be essentially the same. But I will bring that sauce, and people in the know will will try it. And, and say, ooh, this is this is good. This is different. It's got pepper and butter and and whatnot. So yeah, I'm I'm just like I am with PCs and I am with sci-fi. I, when it comes to barbecue, if it's good, I'm happy. Nice. I like that. Ah, uh-huh. good stuff. I mean, you know, and I and I said that uh, when I was in my 20s and I made that mistake of saying that to the gentleman from Texas. The cool thing was, I I got myself a, a really good lunch out of that uh, mm-hmm. as as I was introduced to. Uh, Texas barbecue. Now, I get myself in trouble sometimes because people think my standards are a little too low. And you've seen me walk in here with a McRib. Yes, so, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, so maybe I'm not the best person to ask about what, <laughs> what high-quality barbecue is. But but to me, that's a comfort food I grew up with. And uh, barbecue is a different kind of comfort food. But I can go high-end on it or i you know to me the best barbecue restaurant is the one that's a little old shack in the middle of nowhere that's been slinging barbecue for 80 years and the guy running it is third generation and hasn't gone away from what granddaddy showed him to do that those are the best and i'm not knocking uh some of the newer ones there there are places that are you know 10 years old that do fantastic barbecue um find what you like and enjoy it and don't let people try to tell you well that's wrong if you like chain barbecue like chain barbecue you know that's awesome that's awesome i appreciate that all right so uh um, i got a couple other questions real quick uh one of the things i learned um a long time ago and i and i learned it Driving through um, LJ, which is mm-hmm. what's funny because uh, I used to come through here in uh, in Boy Scouts, and we do uh, on the way to take the scouts to uh, um, this camp up uh, just a little further north of us. And uh, um, one of the gentlemen on the trip, we'd come through as the adults first, of you know, a couple months ahead of time to scout out where we we're going to be sitting. No pun intended there, by the way. Um, we we scout you know to, to set up you know to, to look and see what where the camp was going to be and stuff like this, where our site was going to be. And the uh, um, first time I came up as a, a scoutmaster, a uh, um, couple of guys who were former scoutmasters for that troop said, hey, Steve, we need to treat you to something. And I said, that'd be awesome. And, All right, we're going to treat you some barbecue. And um, and you got to get it the way I get it. And how he did it was the, you could get coleslaw on the bun. Mm-hmm. And I never had it like that before. Now, So do you like coleslaw on the bun? It depends. This is one area where I will say it depends. Depends on the kind of slaw and whether that's their preferred method of service. So if they say, you know, ours comes with slaw on it, I will try it the first time with slaw on it. Sometimes I'm really a fan. Sometimes the slaw is too runny, too chunky, or 
I don't care for marinated, like vinegar marinated slaw on a sandwich. If it's the mayonnaise based slaw, I'm I'm okay with it. But uh, the marinated stuff to me is a, is a side. So um, I, I I prefer that. But like I said, I will try it the first time, and if it's good, then the next time I may get it on there. If I'm not sure. I may say, can you put it on the side, and I'll decide if I want it. And then I'll eat a bite, and it's like, yeah, that'll work, and I'll, I'll throw some on. But And sometimes I just like it plain, and, and I don't want the slaw in there. So that's a it depends on the day kind of thing, depends on the slaw. Nice, nice. I like that. They, um, all right, so one of the things that you make that I've had that's awesome um, is uh, Brunswick stew. Yeah. So what makes a good Brunswick stew? Because you seem to have that knack. All right, so... I have my grandmother's recipe that takes three days to make where you have to smoke the meat and then, you know, boil all the stuff down in a big old pot forever. I don't do that. Um, I usually use leftover competition meat, which may give me a bit of an advantage, but the real trick to me is whether you use um, meat that you've cooked at home or the recipe I have actually calls for canned barbecue. Yes, that exists. <laughs> um, but the thing to me is it needs to be run through a grinder. Um, so I run the pork, the beef, and the chicken all through a grinder on a large plate so that it makes it fine and shredded up and, and everything because that's what traditional Brunswick's do to me was now other people have other opinions and they're welcome to them uh, but my opinion is it needs to be ground up um, the recipe that i have is actually a dump recipe so you're actually opening cans of cream style corn which some people would say that's blasphemy you can't do that you gotta cook that corn from scratch and okay if you want to take a couple of days to make it i'm sure it's going to be great stew but most people that taste mine are like did you do that the traditional way? Why, yes. No, no, not really. I'll, I'll, I'm usually pretty honest uh, and tell them, no, this is a simple recipe. It uses Heinz chili sauce, which is, you know, most of them use like barbecue sauce, but I'll put a little barbecue sauce in it. Um, but the other thing for me is no lima beans. And I know that's a point of contention. <laughs> um, I'm like, I I personally don't like lima beans, so if you want them in your Brunswick stew, bring you a can and you can dump them in your bowl. I will I will nice, not be offended, nice. but I will not put them in the the stew. But to me, that cooking it low in a crock pot, I think, allows time for the tomatoes to really finish out and and the meats to kind of blend really well and, and whatnot. And I think that's a good bowl of stew, but to each his own. I got to tell you, what you make is awesome. So it's, uh, I, uh, I, I said, oh, put that little bowl aside. I got to get a big bowl after I <laughs> tried it the first time. I was like, nice, nice. Um, all right. So um, I got to make sure I say this before I, we're getting close to finishing up. And before I say this, you know, you, you talked a lot about these sauces. And, you know, my favorite type of sauce has a, a, a lot of zing to it. Now, I don't like, I'm not talking about a buffalo wing type, mm-hmm. hot type. I don't need volcano hot, right? That's not what I'm looking at here. But I like the type that makes you slowly starts making you sweat around the uh-huh. hairline and all this sort of stuff where, you know, in a minute people notice that you're eating a, you know, a couple pieces of uh, bread or you're, uh, you know, <laughs> you're uh, drinking a lot of that tea and and, uh, um, and you get to wipe the sweat off your forehead. Uh, so what's your favorite? 
sauce? I mean, we, we've heard you talk about different ones. Um, I, I love that vinegar sauce that I make on pork, but then I also have a sauce that I make. Now, in competition, I, people ask me all the time, do you make your own rubs and sauces? Why, no, uh, because there are teams out there that have developed sauces and rubs that win, and I would like to win. So, therefore, I will go to, um, there's a couple of stores. There's uh, an Atlanta barbecue store or a guy up in Ottawa, Steve Ray, that has a store, and I'll go to one of those, and, and I will buy the sauces that win and the rubs that win. But when I'm at home, I have a rib sauce that I will make. And I love it's a sweet sauce. Got a little heat, uh, got a little tanginess to it, got a little saltiness to it. Just just the right blend of different things, and that's my go-to for my ribs. I rarely make it anymore because it's time-consuming, and it's easy to reach into the barbecue fridge and go, "Oh, here's a bottle of Blues Hog or, or some other um, sauce." Uh, there's a, a barbecue team called Yes Deer. Um, Nice. I wonder where that name came from, <laughs> but they've got a competition sauce and it's great on, on food. So I'll, I'll grab some of those and, and put them on, uh, whatever I'm cooking. But yeah, uh, if I have my choice, it's either that vinegar sauce or, or that rib sauce, depending on what I'm cooking now for chicken. Um, I tend not to do too much sauce on, on my chicken. Um, but I have been known to use the Alabama white sauce from time to time. Um, there's a, a barbecue restaurant called Big Bob Gibson's that, that kind of started that trend. And um, it's kind of a mayonnaise, pepper-based uh, sauce. And if you like mayonnaise, you'll like this sauce. If you don't, you'll probably go, yeah, <laughs> give me give me something else. But But I like that too. Very cool. Thanks for going there. All right. Last question for you. Do you have a favorite memory of a competition? Is there something that just makes you go, oh, I remember when? Yes. You know, there is a, a thing in competition that you don't want to be last place. It's like, um, now, <clears throat> we'll normally, when we're cheering people on, we say, hope you get the last call, and people misunderstand the first time they hear it, that, oh, you're telling me you want me last? No, last call means you got first place, because you're the last name called. But you don't want to be last place. And um, we, I, I had decided to cook a competition in Calhoun. It was going to be the last backyard cook that I did. My teammate couldn't come so my daughter was going to cook with me and um i got there the night before started prepping things opened the ribs and go whoo that smells a little funky um so i called michael my teammate and it's like michael have you ever opened a pack of ribs and then been like strong smelling it wasn't rancid it wasn't like rotten smelling it was just strong um kind of hard to describe a little chemically a little pickly something like that he's like yeah i've had to happen and i had to happen on pork butts but usually after a few minutes um they would gas off and and be fine so i prepped the ribs and um the whole time they still kept that smell they didn't quite and i called him again you sure yeah cook them it'll be fine um well the next morning, he came down. He was able to get away and come down, and, and I had just about finished the ribs, and, and he came in, and um, and this is a two-part story, so so I'll, I'll kind of 
wrap this one up and tell the second part. So he came in, and um, I'm like, dude, these things still kind of smell funny. They're, they've been cooked. They've got sauce on them. And I'm like, let's taste one before we like put in them. He took one bite, spit it out. And I'm like, maybe I don't want to take a bite. But I went ahead and, t- and sure enough, it had that, f- the flavor was the smell. It was, it was bad. So we called the representative from KCBS over and we're like, Dave, these don't smell good. We don't think we need to put these in. Um, and he goes, no, you always turn in. Because if you don't, you're going to be last place. And in certain types of competitions, they need every team to turn in to make sure that it's a qualifier. Like if they've only got 25 teams, they need all 25 teams. So the rule is you always turn in. He said, but I'll tell the judges to judge this for appearance only. And um, then, you know, you can go on and, and, you know, you're going to be last place, but at least you get judged and you'll get one. Well, and it, if it were an important contest, it would save the contest. It's good practice. And it's good for him to, to have that practice too, since it was kind of a, almost like a practice cook. Well, we get to awards and um, we go through awards. I managed to, we did a, an ancillary briskets, first time I'd ever, and I actually got a call in brisket, which I was really excited about. Uh, then we get the ribs and, and everything and, and we get the score sheets at the end. I wasn't last place. <laughs> and I'm looking at Michael, and he's looking at me, and we're like, how did we not get last place? So we found Dave, and it's like, Dave, how did we not get last place? He said, well, you were almost last place. We were second from last. He said, but another team turned in the wrong meat. Nice. And that's worse than turning in bad meat. He's <laughs> like, nobody tasted your meat. It was fine. So fast forward to a couple of years later, uh, we're at a competition in Lafette, Georgia, and I open a pork pack, and it has that smell. Like, oh, no, here we go again. And so, luckily, this was early enough that I contacted the rep, because I was like, I know how this goes. If I cook this, it's not going to be something I want to turn in. And I was like, this this would be last place pork, whatever. So I Dave happened to be the same rep, so I, I was like, hey, Dave, is it legal for me to go and get a different pork butt? after we've had meat inspection and everything. He's like, yeah, just let me know, and, and we'll inspect the new one, whatever. So I go to the local food, Siver, food city. Never bought a pork butt from there, um, but picked one out, brought it in. He inspected it. We cook it, got first place with that pork butt. Nice. And it's like, learn my lesson. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Very good. Nice. Well, I've it's, it's, it's been cool talking with you, Alan, especially about something other than technology, because that's normally yes. where we are. So yeah. um, good stuff. Uh, Alan, thanks so much for talking tech, sci-fi, and barbecue. I mean, wishing you the best in all you do, and uh, thanks so much for sharing today. Thank you for having me. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. 
And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.